interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to a brand new episode of my bloody podcast, episode 91. So excited to be back. It's been a little bit. We've been busy. We've been doing things. But we're, we still come back here. We still come back. I'm Brian Kruger, <laughs> and I'm joined by the host with the most, the man who I want to celebrate Easter with every day of the year, Preston Barta. How are you doing? I'm doing lovely. How are you, sir? Not too bad, not too shabby. Uh, we'll do, are we going to celebrate Easter next year? I hope so. I kind of forgot that this movie was an Easter movie, and so that was a pleasant surprise. But uh, yeah, I, I hope so. Every, celebrate everything that's been robbed of us, um, especially my 30th birthday. Your 30th birthday. I can't believe you're 30. I met you when you were just a wee, you know, 19-year-old. Yeah. Pretty much, yep. It, it's crazy because I, I talk to Haley, my wife, about that all the time because, you know, it's also like our 10 years of, uh, well, 11 years of knowing each other, 10 years of dating. And it's just like, I knew you when you, I knew you when you were 18 and you knew me when I was 19, which is insane. <laughs> it, is, it is, trust me, it is insane. It's hard to believe that some of my friends I've known, I mean, since we were two years old, but even just going back to how long ago it was for me to 2000 entering college and knowing yeah. some of my friends that are almost 40 back when we were 18. <laughs> yeah, we're all getting older. I feel like I'm the same person. I still collected DVDs back then. <laughs> still do it now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh yeah, I'm still collecting Blu-rays and things like that just as crazy about movies, but now that I have uh a son and more responsibilities and the reality of the world, which is, you know, when I was 20, I was a little more ambitious and wanted to do this as a career, but the reality of that is just like it's always going to be a side hustle. Um so I hope that in 10 years, when I'm 40, I'm still doing this kind of stuff because it does mean a lot to me. When you graduated college, did anybody say like, you know, you're the class that's hope for the future. We promise you the world of greatness. And then here we are. They didn't say anything about this, did they? No, not really. I feel like a lot of people that I went to college with, it was like they're none of them are really doing what their majors are. Like they're what they're doing in the career is not related to it whatsoever. And so now we're just all in debt, still paying off our college loans and wondering what the hell we've been doing. Uh, uh, hey, at least I th you, you're at least doing your thing, right? I'm doing my thing that I went to school for. Yeah. I mean, I graduated with an English literature degree, which I'm not like teaching English class or reading a whole lot of books these days outside of like Stephen King. Um, 
but I'm writing. Yeah, you're so. a word wizard, English language. Yeah, I try. I'd say I you're dab- putting- I dabble on the keyboard. You dabble, you dabble a little bit. Uh, everybody, we're just so happy to be here. Uh, I always enjoy talking to Preston. Him and I talk every day, but we've been, uh, we've just been busy. We haven't done a show in a little while, but uh, we're back to be, we're glad to be back on episode 91 of My Bloody Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Spotify R. This, this feature presentation this week is so much fun. Critters 2. <laughs> so so many good things to talk about this movie that's uh we got that later on in the show we've got bloody questions bloody recommendations bloody tunes but first a little bit of the bloody bits of news so we welcome back it's been a minute we miss each other let's first talk about movie theaters reopening it's been a a subject of yes and no's on both sides of the fence for the past several months due to COVID. And, but it seems like movie theaters actually have been opening up since our last episode and most of them will be opening up within this week or next week. So is this a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Are there any horror movies that we want to see released out in movies in, in the actual theater? Preston, what do you think? I don't know. Like I haven't seen uh a lot of announcements about like horror movies. I can't think really think of like what's really in the pipeline horror wise for the, or what was in the pipeline for the rest of the year. But my main focus right now has been like tenant, which has been like the big film that was supposed to get us started going back to the theater. And uh, I don't really know what's the most concrete plans with that because Right now, since theaters are open, it's that Russell Crowe Road Rage Unhinged movie, which I know you've seen, Brian. Um, and I've I've heard all the worst things. Um, <laughs> so I had no desire to watch that in general, even if it was at in my home space. But yeah, just imagining braving the theater to go see that. I don't. I don't think so. Um, so. Did you read my first line of the review? I saw your headline in your <laughs> uh, caption on Instagram, but what was it? Um, I believe it was, uh, well, let me pull that up just so I can get the exact verbiage right. But it is, uh, imagine going to a movie theater for this film and then contracting COVID and dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> that was like first line in the review, but my my uh, sort of positive take on it was unhinged has some B movie elements that should satisfy genre fans, even if the movie doesn't make a lick of sense. So is it like on par with, I mean, I wouldn't know because, but I just see a lot of, I get a lot of emails for Blu-rays and DVDs that are coming out. And a lot of them are like straight to DVD movies with like Bruce Willis. Is it something like that? Yeah, no, it's not, it's not good. It's, uh, I can't believe this is like the first film they're projecting to put out in movie theaters because it really isn't, I mean, luckily it's a very quick movie and for something that you would think that might be kind of like a little PG 13 ish, it's, it's rated R there's cursing there's it's over the top violent for, but for no reason, like it's just, Everything exists in this movie that makes no sense and for no reason at all. 
So uh, they just kind of went with it. Uh, but I did say I'm happy to see Russell Crowe do genre stuff and just not give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's always fun. You know, I said in the review something like, this is a far cry from like his role in Virtuosity where he was kind of unhinged in that uh, movie. Mm. But but also he's like 400 pounds in this movie, so <laughs> they can't do much. If they went like the Jason Voorhees route and uh, made him like supernatural killer, because they kind of allude to that. Like just like nothing can keep this dude down. Uh, I think it would have fared better. They wouldn't have taken itself too seriously, but they do, and it's just eh, what, what's the point of this movie? I thought you were about to mention like Jason goes, not Jason goes to hell. Uh, Jason lives because they recast <laughs> the the stunt man because he was too big, right? No, yeah, Russell Crowe in this movie, you're just like, wow, he is going the uh, he he's going the Marlon Brando late in life route. Like it's just. It's very unfortunate to see. Like that's. Well, I know he's doing that Showtime show, and he had to be a little overweight for that. But I don't know if that's just like he's settling into that lifestyle now, and he's okay with it, which I think he he is. I legit asked out loud while watching the movie, "Is he in a fat suit?" Because <laughs> I just couldn't get over. Like, wow, he's really let himself go. He's like manic and sweaty and just like it just looks like he showed up on set and they gave him like a button down shirt that he didn't tuck in and he's just like I'm going with it <laughs> whatever you got to do man I don't know I like Russell Crowe glad just, he's doing just, this yeah anyway um we we're talking about Tenet um so whenever they announce that I know that you and I are kind of both on the same level about going back to the theater like it just does not seem not a good idea. A good way to go about it until like maybe next year. Um, or at least until like there's like something a little more in motion that makes me feel safe about it. Um, but I don't know. Part of me is like, there's a podcast that I was listening to and it's exactly my thoughts. And it's like talking to your future children or Ro, my son Ro when he's older and being like, yeah. You know, I was there for uh, COVID-19 and we had to do this and this. We had to, you know, use Germex and wipe down all our groceries. But I saw a tenant in the movie theater. Yeah, no, that's, I, it would have been awesome. I want, I, like you and I, our biggest, I think the, the thing we most want to do this summer is go see Tenet in the IMAX. Like I would imagine that yeah. you and I, that's our biggest goal but we know we are smart enough to know that's not the right move. And right. I guarantee you, I think shame on Warner brothers and shame on Christopher Nolan for actually putting this only in the movie theaters was because it's guaranteed to kill people. Like people are going to go pack, go to the movie theater. Somebody's going to get COVID and they're going to die from it. Like it's, it's a fact. Well, they got a little bit of a trial period here to see how things go with, because we've been getting emails from like Alamo Draft House and Studio Movie Grill, AMC, and they loosely kind of put their protocols in place of like what they plan to do when you get there and uh, like two seat buffers between people. When you buy seats, they, they'll put two seat buffers. Um, I don't know how that will be when, with people in front of you because you're breathing 
right forward so i don't know that just seems like a lot of gymnastics that they're gonna have to do and something's well there's no gymnastics if you've seen the theater they just hire you know mostly teenagers and it's are they gonna literally clean and really get into the seats every time somebody gets in and out of it no they're not it's and plus putting 100 200 people in a small box for three hours and they say you have to wear a mask but if you're eating and drinking concessions you're not it's it's a recipe for disaster yeah and it's i just think that shame on the studio and shame on christopher nolan for like pushing to do this even though yes we're all excited to see it just can't do it would you go see it at the drive-in no well you know what maybe maybe i'd see it at the drive-in i mean for me there's just something about being in a movie theater with my friends and yep. watching it in a dark theater, big open space, IMAX type of thing. And that's, I mean, I would say that's how you see a Christopher Nolan movie, but I, I might be willing to do a drive-in for Tenet, you know, stay inside, stay, you know, something like that. But I think with like your setup and my setup and those fortunate to have, you know, decent TVs and sound stuff. I mean, if we're in the time they want to release it, do it this way, you know? Yeah, because they're doing they're doing Black Widow that way, right? Yeah, Disney Plus. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, they're going to charge for it, but true. I mean, it's just I feel like if Netflix got Tenant, they would have millions of people sign up for Netflix. <laughs> yeah, for that reason, you know, I just think that I guess it would know, be HBO Max, but yeah, yeah, HBO Max is it's I guess Warner Brothers. So I mean that they would instantly have millions of subscribers at least if it's only a month or two but they would do it but they're not gonna yeah. do it yeah because yeah Christopher Nolan I mean has been very his opinions are very strong about wanting to keep the movie theater experience alive but you know the, the world threw us a curveball and we're just gonna have to adapt or die um and yeah I just they should just sit on it just don't release it but their mentality is kind of like the only thing I can think of is like when Titanic came out, it was very dry for a long, a long period. And so they made so much money because there was nothing. And so I think that's what they're thinking that maybe it won't get those high numbers that first weekend because it's only releasing in so many theaters and so many different parts of the world, but it may have that longevity. Maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. I, I would say don't go see it. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, it's almost like I don't want to review it just so, you know, you're not encouraging people to go to the theater, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a whole subject. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's aggravating, I think. So I guess we'll see if they actually do release it or if they'll last minute push it yet again. But uh, yeah, movie theaters are reopening. Let us know what you think. But we'll move on to some fun news right now. In the form of the old 1982 movie, The Beastmaster. Oh my goodness, with Mark Singer. (laughs) So, uh, Don uh, Coscarelli made this movie, The Beastmaster. And if you don't know who Don Coscarelli is, he's responsible for Phantasm and Bubba Hotep. Well, it looks like he just recently... Uh, got to purchase the rights to the Beastmaster again recently 
and he's thinking about rebooting it, which is all sorts of fun because the Beastmaster is basically horror, sci-fi, fantasy with animals and a dude in a loincloth. Uh, I'm excited for this, that it might happen. What do you think, man? Yeah, I'm all for that. I have not seen this movie in a long time, and I revisited the trailer and god that trailer is so perfect i don't know if you've seen it but uh yes (laughs) it's uh it's just so well worded like every (laughs) single thing down to like the final punchline of it it's phantasmagoric and i was like i know exactly why you did that um but yeah like uh i want to revisit this just because i remember being very young and being into movies like legend and never ending story and this is one of those films that kind of fell into it so when i was watching the trailer i was just remembering a lot of the the images that have stuck with me over the years especially like the little weasel that's like helping them get out of the quicksand um so uh i'm yeah i'm all for this to happen again kind of curious to know like well because rip torn is not no longer with us but like tanya roberts like she's like donna's mom from that 70s show and uh so i wonder like if they'll they'll come back in any capacity um but yeah just just the concept of like conan the barbarian mixed with like legend and a little bit of i hate to say this but fantastic beasts because he's just he's good at taming those the taming yeah. those beasts so no for sure and it, it should be known that the B, this movie the beastmaster which is you know said to be like a big b movie it's so bad it's good type of movie from a lot of people. I mean, I like it. I don't think it's so bad. It's good. I just think it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't realize the cinematographer for this movie, The Beastmaster, is John Alcott. And John Alcott is probably the best cinematographer to have ever lived and will ever live. Uh, he did 2001 Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, and The Shining. Yeah. Uh, not to mention Vice Squad. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, it's insane. Uh, unfortunately, he died back uh, in the 80s, kind of shortly after this movie was released. But that that's pretty impressive, don't you think? Yeah. I wonder if uh, they'll get um, like Robert Ellswood or... Bill Pope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Roger Deakins. That'd be funny. Yes. I mean, if Coscarelli, people, Coscarelli seems to be very, like, extremely well liked in the industry, um, yeah. even though he's not churning out a ton of movies, but it seems like he's very well respected and people want to work with him. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, hell, I mean, you could bring back Mark Singer, but dude, get Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell's made for this role, <laughs> even in yeah. his older age. Yeah. I just That'd think he funny. would be great. But yeah, so uh, he has uh, gotten back the rights to his own movie and he's hoping to make a reboot. So uh, let's let's do that, right? Right. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Oh my God. So, all right, moving on. The streaming, the online streaming service Shudder has... Uh, announced that they are doing a big, big schedule release of 61 days till Halloween. 
uh, mean I guess they are going to be showing crazy movies and at least eight new original exclusive to Shutter movies uh, in anticipation for Halloween this year. 61 days of movies. So Preston, I know you're a Shutter fan. I know I'm a Shutter fan. I know our good friend James Cole Clay is a Shutter fan. What do you think about this? That's exciting because I I bought a year subscription not too long ago and uh, just, just finally just decided to get it and uh, I've been watching it quite a bit lately uh, especially Joe Bob Briggs um, just recently I watched his um, episode on Victor Crowley which uh, I had not seen that movie I haven't seen any of the hatchet movies have you seen any of those Brian the hatchet movies yeah I have seen every single Hatchet movie. I own every single Hatchet movie. And recently I said the best death in cinema was the most recent Hatchet movie called Victor Crowley. Yeah. So I assume you're talking about the... Felisa Rose scene. Yes. Yep. Yep. yep absolutely. Okay. So yeah, they, it's, it's so much fun because I, I, I love that they have that, that feature where you can just like watch live, uh, their live programming. And so, yeah, I like to tune in. Friday nights when he does this and they did Victor Crowley and they had uh, Kane Hodder on there, the director and writer and Felisa Rose on there. And they were just, that's, that's what's so fun about being a horror fan. So um, I'm glad that they're going to be doing like a Halloween special with Joe Bob Briggs for it on top of releasing some of the movies that we, we've, we really like, like color out of space, which we saw at fantastic fest last year. And um I hadn't seen the Nosferatu, but the second season's going to be releasing on there in September. Right. And your favorite thing, right? The Vincent Price collection? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I I was too late to the Scream Factory game to get a lot of those, um, but and they're pretty pricey if you try to get them for resale. Or, uh, but they are doing... They're re-releasing one in the collections. Scream Factory is doing a reprint. Um, but I have seen quite a bit of Vincent Price's films, but it just would be nice to... But And so uh, this gives me access to do that. Um, there's, a, there's a few originals in there that I'm excited about that I had gotten some emails for, and one of them is uh, Scare Me with uh, Aya Cash. And... Uh, it just seems like a lot of fun. It's like a couple that are in a cabin and they're just doing all these pranks on each other to try to scare each other and uh, things could escalate from there. So I don't know, like that just seems like a lot of kind of the goofy sensibilities that I have um, within the relationship with my wife. And uh, so that just seems like right up my alley. So I'm excited for that. And that comes out like in early October. So yeah, there's there's quite a few you can look up and see some of the stuff that's on their schedule. But uh, yeah, they they got some good stuff in there, and especially since we don't have film festivals uh, in sight anytime soon, this is kind of the way to go. Right. And how can people get Shutter? Uh, they can go on Shutter.com, and uh, I think they have a a week. Free. I can check that actually. It's either a week or a month. I know if you buy a Blu-ray from Shutter that you get 30 day free, like a month free subscription. So if you bought Cursed, which you should on Blu-ray, it comes with comes with a month maybe. So yeah, seven day free trial if you go online. I know they had like a special during 
like quarantine when is a little more when it was newer but right now yeah it's just seven seven days free to try it try it out and so yeah maybe when this is going on check it out see if it's something that you feel is worthy of paying four dollars and 75 cents a month which i think it is Right. No, I think, I mean, if you're, if you're into horror and you're looking for something like new and original programming, just some cool horror movie shutter is the way to go. I mean, it's very niche, but you know, they're, they're doing some good things. Oh yeah, they are. All right. Let's move on to a bit of M night Shyamalan news. Oh my goodness. He has a new movie he's working on. Uh, it is untitled. Nothing's known about this movie really plot wise, but so no news really. No, no news really. <laughs> but we do, Just... we do know currently that the theatrical release date is July 23rd of next year. Hopefully all this is done. However, new people have been added to the cast of this and that's all that is known right now. So in addition to, uh, am I saying this right? Gael Garcia Bernal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Thomason Alex- McKenzie, yes. Alex Wolf. Yeah, a lot of, some good people. Well, now M. Beth Davids has been added to the cast, meaning an Army of Darkness alum is coming to M. Night Shyamalan. Of course, she was in Schindler's List. Schindler's List, but she's Mrs. Honey. Yes. (laughs) Very excited about this. Go M. Night Shyamalan. And Thomas and McKenzie. Holy shit. Ever since, you know, Jojo Rabbit, she's just been like getting in everything. She's working with. Uh, Edgar Wright right now. She's working with M. Night. Everybody wants to be in the business of Thomas and McKenzie. And Which we all see yeah. why. She's pretty awesome. She was in that, uh, along with Russell Crowe, that true history of the Kelly gang, which I yeah. liked quite a bit. So, and she was good in that. It was very good. Very good. So uh, it, this, this movie is supposed to be a weird and dark thriller for Universal mm. Pictures. So uh, yeah, uh, I would imagine we'll be talking about this very soon, but this looks like a pretty fun movie. I am back in business with M. Night Shyamalan since The Visit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, hell, I mean, I went to see all of his movies anyway, but and there was a stretch where I didn't like any of them. But yeah. he's... He's come back in a big way with the visit split in glass. So uh, very excited if, to see what he has next. If this ended up being like a secret sequel to one of his other movies other than Unbreakable, which one would you want it to be? Oh, uh, I mean, shit, Sixth Sense, man. I think they can expand that whole realm really well. Like have I'd an be... older Haley Joel Osment come back in? That'd be awesome. <laughs> It's like seeing dead people has been pretty hard on him too. Cause he's, he's uh, almost Russell Crowe big too. <laughs> right. 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 Oh, so much fun. So, so good. So that, what about you? Um, I'd like to see something for the village. So would you want to see something similar to maybe like, maybe the village is allowing other people into their village or like they're setting out to go out into the normal world or something like that. What do you think? Um, I don't know about going out into the world, but I can't remember. It's been quite a bit since I've seen it. So I can't remember like how the rest of the place responded after they found out their, or at least the people that are not old enough, not senior members to know that, you know, outside the world is modern day and not like 
1900s, 1800s or so. Um, so maybe just somebody that's, that just sounds cheap too. Like I keep on thinking like uh, Star Wars, like I'm going to finish what my grandfather started um, kind of thing. <laughs> so Williams, William Hurt's Hurt. Um, so there you go. There you go. There you go. Well, we'll have new, we'll have upcoming news up on the M. Night Shyamalan front uh, shortly. But we'll move on. We're going to talk about a festival, Fantasia Fest, which is basically the larger, uh, much bigger Canadian film festival that's very similar to Fantastic Fest. Fantastic Fest is in Austin, uh, and it's kind of a smaller type of thing. But Fantasia Fest is kind of like the bigger, uh, more ultimate, definitive genre festival. And I've never been to it. I don't think Preston has ever been to Canada to cover it, but... Uh, I know I was hoping to go this year to it, but of course not. But they're doing a virtual fest, right? Yeah. As and, far as I know. Yeah, they are. And they're, they've are they been sending out tons of movies for it, tons of horror action stuff. Uh, is there anything on the list that you're wanting to see? Um, I I don't know. I haven't really... I haven't really looked into it very much because I'm just not sure just yet because I've had like... Uh, I've been on a sabbatical really and trying to distance myself a little bit from a lot of the new content to catch up on things that I just haven't had time for freshen up on or check. If I have any blind spots, I want to try to go fill that out a little bit, but um, was there anything that caught your eye? Cause I know that, I mean, as you just said that this was something that you wanted to go to, but now that, the world is the way that it is. Is there anything that catches your, your eye now? Uh, yeah. You know, Lloyd Kaufman has Shakespeare shit storm, you know, the new trauma movie. There's a great documentary with uh, David Arquette about his uh, recent mm-hmm. pro wrestling career. Uh, there is a movie called the block Island sound, uh, which looks pretty cool about uh, wildlife and residents, uh, kind of happening birds dropping out of the sky uh, it it looks pretty cool um uh, and it's got some pretty uh decent uh people behind it uh yeah it's, it's stuff like this i mean when preston and i go to fantastic fest i think we're just like i want to see everything and i think that's kind mm-hmm. of something for fantasia fest there's just like some really cool stuff happening there uh, and I think that's that's where that's where I'm at with it. But those are like the movies that really caught my eye because when they're doing virtual stuff and even going to a festival in person, there's also an online and it gets very overwhelming. And because hmm. uh, there's just so much content, but I'm glad they're doing it virtual this year. And there's just some cool things uh, with it. So Preston, I'll definitely be sending you some stuff. <laughs> Are you going to watch The Reckoning near Mar- Neil Marshall's new movie? Yes. So I'm hoping to score an interview with him. Uh, so that's one of the people who I tried to and trying to get. So yes, definitely. Because we like Neil Marshall, don't we? Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big Hellboy fan, but I like his other work. Well, I mean, yeah. So I want to say like Hellboy just wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't it, his fault wasn't his fault but like man dog soldiers and the descent Descent. and doomsday so much fun 
Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm a big fan of that. But yeah, uh, <laughs> was it, is it? Isn't it Neil Marshall that tried to do Alien? That was, that was, uh, that was Blomkamp? Blomkamp. Okay. Neil Blomkamp. Neil Marshall, Neil Blomkamp. I get the two confused. Oh, uh, <laughs> just because of their name, both is Neil. Now, Blomkamp did a, a Elysium and Chappie. The greatest movie ever, Chappie. <laughs> Chappie, along with District Nine. Okay, there we go. We get we we're we're back in we're back in business. All right, so that that's Fantasia Fest. That's what's happening. Um, do we want to talk about cursed films for a little bit? Sure. Yeah, we could talk about it for a little bit. Okay, so. Okay, since it's horror, all right. So, Cursed Films is a docu series that came out recently, and it's a Shutter original. And it's a docu series that covers alleged cursed films in the horror genre. There are, and there's five episodes, thirty minutes each, uh, can, and consisting of Twilight Zone, the movie, The Crow, The Omen, Exorcist, and Poltergeist. And if any horror movie fan that did any research they would probably come across at some point that there were tons of tragedies on during the production and after the production of each of these movies and so this documentary docuseries came out and uh explored those realms uh i watched it uh twice in a row because <laughs> uh blu-ray wise um because on the blu-ray you watch the movie and then i watch the commentary tracks which there's one on each and needless to point out that i was not a fan of it whatsoever and as preston texted me about it he knows exactly who i am and how i think how i tick how i operate and so i didn't hold anything back well I guess the director got a hold of my review and he has his own podcast called Film Junk and him and a few of the other people on the podcast talked about my review and myself for 30 minutes uh, around there. And uh, they read my entire review on the show live, which I don't know if has really ever been done before by a filmmaker. <laughs> I'm trying to figure that out. So it, it was not, it was not kind as my review was pretty harsh as well. Um, but they invited me on the show and I reached out to them and said, I'd love to be part of the show. I think that would be fun, but I don't know. Preston, what do you think about this whole thing? Uh, it's pretty humorous to me just cause as soon as you told me about it, I was like, exactly like those gifts where they're eating popcorn just waiting <laughs> the michael jackson thriller gif <laughs> exactly um so i think i should say that i liked cursed um so i just found it funny because you and i have differed on this podcast before i think the big one that we talk about quite a bit is pet cemetery 2019 and um, like I, I defend that movie so hardcore and no matter how hard I try, like it, you're just like, you're, you're an alien right now. And so <laughs> if we did a whole episode on cursed, uh, I, it would probably be about the same. I think there are some things that are very problematic about it. And there's some of the things that you did touch on and that the director touched on in the thing where he was just like, yeah, that's fair. Um, that, 
that I think is 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 totally fine. Like um, there there are some things like some people that they get on there to maybe fill some fill some of that running time out with like like a black magic guy and all this other stuff that I it just felt like a bit off track for me. But overall I felt like it picked up a little more momentum. I, I wasn't a big fan of the first one or the second one too much. I think there's some facts that I didn't know about, but you're a little more knowledgeable. You have a you're like the horror encyclopedia. And uh so there were some things that I learned about with the omen but once it got to like uh the crow and especially um poltergeist and twilight zone the twilight zone one i know because you're a big john landis fan and so i knew i loosely knew some of the tragedies that surrounded this film primarily the one with the kids in the helicopter and so I didn't know it to that detail. So just kind of hearing that production designer whose career was just completely ruined after that really affected me because as a parent, like I'm just, he described in such detail of like the parents just like putting their hand on the tree or whatever it was. And I got really emotional uh, watching that. And so for that it's just like the news itself if you do not know too much about it but i guess it's fair to say that hey i mean you can go online and read a lot of these facts and maybe there's not a whole lot of new stuff there but just kind of hearing the people talk about it and how it's affected them like the guy that was pulled the trigger for that killed bruce lee i don't remember if he was on it but the the way that some of the other people that were talking about it was um emotional for me and so to that level i say that it was successful um so that just could be because i'm a newbie but i totally respect your opinion brian and how you feel and so and i totally understand the feeling of when you're when there's a movie that really rubs you the wrong way and it is not for you you just want to tear it apart and i have done that before (laughs) um So it was funny to me because I know who you are and you're a fun loving guy. And so even if this upset uh, the director, I think once you go on the podcast and you guys can just have fun and you can say your piece about it and they can say theirs and it'll be like probably how our pet cemetery review went, which was, you know, uh, we'll just shake hands at the end of this and be like, Hey, we both had some fun, right? Um, right. So that's what I'm I, hoping. That's what I'm hoping. I think yeah, that's I, the way it'll go too. I hope, I hope so too. I think, you know, you're being a good sport about, about all this. If it were me, like I'm, I'm a very sensitive person and I like really care about like what people think about me and how they may respond to my reviews. So I would just be like a nervous Nelly over here. And then if I were to go on the podcast, I'd just be like, um, so <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you got the gall and the balls to do this, uh, which is uh, I can't wait. So I uh, I hope I hope for the best, and um, I, I'm excited to see like what some of the other things that you guys may talk about because there were some other things that you say that may be discussed, and I think that's just like it sounds like it's going to go, it's going to be a good thing. 
Yeah, I hope so too. I really hope so because I, I listening to their show, it seemed, I mean, I feel like we would all be friends. Like we all are really into these movies, <laughs> like the same type of movies. Yeah. So hopefully I didn't, you know, upset anybody too much. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just, uh, to wrap it up, I just, I've been thinking about like, was I too harsh? Was I too, too much in this one? And why was I, why did I have such a visceral re reaction to it? I don't know. Sometimes we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done it before. I don't, I don't know that I've ever given a movie zero stars. I did give like half a star to one of the Transformers movies and I had such a good time calling it a polished turd and things like that. But a lot of people hate the Transformers movies. And um, so, but with Curse, I, I don't know. There was those some of those ratings that are on IMDb that, that feel the same way as you do. So I think it's, you know, it's fine. It's your opinion. Uh, you can be as passionate about it as much as you want um, and just, just have fun. Like if people who read you enjoy what you have to say and like the way that you talk about stuff. And I mean, we've been doing this for 91 episodes and I just enjoy how both of the way the, the way that we think about movies is entirely different um right yeah so yeah I, I, it'll be fun it'll be fun there we go uh we'll, we'll update everybody uh, as the uh, cursed film uh the, the cursed film play uh sets out so uh to round this bit of bloody news up are there any new records any new any new vinyl albums we want to talk about that we got recently yeah, so I've only, I haven't been buying too many vinyl lately, but I did get two Mondo vinyls, uh, vinyl records, right, Brian? Didn't say vinyls. You didn't um, say vinyls. <laughs> I, I, I bite my tongue. Um, so yeah, I got two, two uh, records from uh, Mondo that I've been pretty stoked about and have been listening to since um, I got them and, but you know, we're, we're in this world and a lot of things have kind of slowed down and I haven't had the space to really articulate how I, how I feel about them, um, outside of posting about them on Instagram. Um, and so one of them is the Avengers, uh, collection, which is the, uh, Infinity War and Endgame and they're packaged together, currently sold out on Mondo on the Mondo shop, but you can buy them separately. But what's cool about this, the collection and why I think you should, you know, every time we talk about Mondo, we talk about how, whether it's a poster or a vinyl record, it's pretty important that you sign up for their e-blast and you know when they drop stuff because those things sell out so fast. Um, Within like seconds, and, seconds. Yeah, and it's easy if you own any of that stuff, it's easy to know why, because they, they really do put so much time and care into it. And we love those guys and we've had them on our show. And um, every time we talk about their records, like we're just extremely enthusiastic um, because they're, they're really beautiful pieces of art that uh, celebrate like other beautiful pieces of art, which is the music or the posters or, or the movies themselves. Um, and it's just like so much fun. Like I want to just put the basket 
of vinyl records that I have like on my coffee table because they're almost like coffee table books, especially this uh, Avengers one because it's um, it's Alan Silvestri's score and with the with the Avengers films like I honestly have to say like it's a lot of strings and things like that but it can make your house sound epic. Um, but it's not like the kind of stuff that I just like casually listen to because I like to, as soon as I hear it, I just want to watch the movie and I want to imagine like, it just like completely services the film extremely well. So for this one, I'm more in tune with like the design of it. And so it's the, the artist behind uh, this Avengers collection is uh, Matt Taylor, who's one of my favorite artists out of Mondo and he's worked with like various works had a partnership with uh, quite a few like really notable companies and um, I have one of his art pieces hung up in my bedroom which is one of the only art piece that I have hung up in my bedroom which is the uh, everybody wants some poster so he's like Eric Lichtenstein or like Salvador Dali in that I can look at his artwork and know exactly who it is like right away because he does all this really cool stuff with like lifelike drawings and experiments with colors and um, like I don't know really know how to explain it but just like all the colors that he puts with it like they work well together and it's not just like super pop art like where like this color scheme does not go with this color scheme like it really just works well together and he does really well with shading so on the avengers one it of course has like all the cast on there and they have like really unique designs that fit with the tone of the movie and so with in game they has like all the characters on it and then thanos at the top and it has like a shattered look to it um because at this point in the game their whole the Avengers or their world is completely shattered and so they need to put the pieces back together um and then on in top on top of that when you open it up and you look at the insides and everything like it just has continues like that artwork continues and then even to the the records themselves which have like unique color uh, a unique color palette that's very fitting to uh the tone of the film um but between the two uh collections uh or the two records, I like the Infinity War score more because I am a sad sap dude who likes really depressing and downer stuff. And like the tone of that is just like, because the movie, like they're, they're getting the rug pulled from under them, the, the Avengers. And so it's just got all this like really depressing sound and dark kind of sound to it while in game has a little bit of that, but then it gets a little more upbeat because they're, it's got a different tone to it in that it's bringing like all the all these movies together, um, and it works well. So uh, I felt like I really needed to get that out because I've I love this collection, especially from a visual standpoint, um, and so it's worthy of talking about. Um, but even though that you can't get the collection to um, you can't buy the entire collection. You can buy them separately. So um, it's 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 good enough to do for that. And I know that you've reviewed it, Brian. And so I'm, I don't know if there's anything more that you need to add or not. 
No, yeah, you you said it. It's uh, it looks wonderful, artwork's wonderful, it sounds great, and you know, like you know, in Endgame, the portal scene where you know Black Panther comes out, and it's just that that scene still gets me, even just musically. It's just so perfect, uh, and hearing it on vinyl come through the speakers is pitch perfect. And yeah, no, I love that one. I love that one. It was a good release. Good. Been waiting for um, it. Yeah, um, so it's 45 bucks if you want to buy them separately um, on Mondoshop.com. And another record on Mondoshop.com, which is uh, a little cheaper just because it's not Marvel, but it's uh, Emma, Emma with a period, a movie that came out this year based on Jane Austen's great work. Um, I, I like this kind of stuff. I know Brian is not. Um, so, and why am I talking about this on a horror podcast, but, uh, it's worthy of talking about, um, I, I like, um, period pieces and especially like this new wave of like how they're approaching period pieces today has been a lot of fun, um, with like love and friendship. Um, they have like this self-aware aspect to it. They're finding like fun ways to experiment with the tone a bit to make it, relate to people today and what's going on in the world on top of just being like this loving, charming, uh, setting. Um, and that's how Emma is, which is just like a, a story about a series of, um, misinterpreted situations. And then like one person, the title character trying to orchestrate, uh, like all these different relationships and like, she's the person this really sweet person determined and knows what she wants to do, but she's also like shielded from shielded from a lot of things that are happening around her and especially like her own feelings uh, about certain people. Um, so really enjoyed that movie. Um, and I really enjoyed the score, uh, which was done by David uh, Schweitzer in Isabel Waller-Bridge, which is um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's sister. And so she did, she composed a lot of the, the music for Fleabag, a uh, fantastic show as well. Um, so this uh, vinyl record, the artist is Carson uh, Ellis. And so the on the cover of it, it has like suns on, on each of the corners and in the middle has like this really classic painting kind of look, um, very boxy kind of looking, a lot of nice colors, very pleasant, just like very inviting, which is what the movie is to me. Um, and the score itself, like, Compared to the Avengers, like this is a score that I can listen to on its own entirely enjoy because even if you haven't seen the movie, like the score kind of reminds me of like the spirit of Harry Potter 4 or Harry Potter 5. Like it has like this a lot of flutes and horns in addition to strings. And so like I can just create my own narrative to each of the songs and shield it from or distance myself from like what happens in the movie um so it's just really enjoyable like it's just like i can as the song's going on like there's certain things that happen throughout like the way that like a flu is played that i'm like it's like kind of goofy or charming like i can envision a dance going on for it and like create your own dance so uh there, there's just like it's it invites you to do it's more interactive i would say in comparison to some of the other scores so 
it's 35 bucks. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, really, I think you should check it out and then uh, buy this uh, record. Um, it'd make a great Christmas gift or if you have anybody in the family that has a, a fall birthday um, or anniversary or whatever, like this is, this is really good stuff. Um, I really like instrumental music. I play it for my dogs all day long when we leave, instead of putting the TV on, we put instrumental music on. Um, so this is just like one of those things where it, it, and especially like right now, like with COVID and being quarantined and things like that, like what we want to do first is watch all these movies, watch all these TV shows, binge watch, which is everything that we've wanted to do in our lives. But now it's like, I need to put a little bit of a cap on it and find like more ways to do more fun family activities where I can just throw on a record and something that's doesn't, isn't too much of a distraction. Like it can just be something that very pleasant sounding that can just match the mood that we're in or the match the mood that we're trying to create. So uh, yeah, I love the score and that is Emma in the Avengers and you can get them both on mondoshop.com. Hell yeah, there you go. You, you convinced me. You convinced did I, me. Did I really? We'll you see. You did. Uh, I want to mention one from Waxwork that I got. Uh, Child's Play, the original Child's Play soundtrack on vinyl finally being released. Y- yes, it ha- was released, I think, overseas at one point when the movie came out back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It, but it's, you know, you're going to be paying 100, 200 bucks for that. So I'm glad they finally, Waxwork released it. It's great. It's double disc. And it's got all the songs on it. It just sounds perfect. The artwork is really cool. Uh, on the front cover is, you know, you know, beautiful little Chucky with the knife and a teddy bear and a soccer ball. And on the backside, it's him all burned up from the first movie at the end. Just like kind of sadistic looking. And it comes with colored, uh, colored vinyl, which is pretty cool. The artwork is by Phantom City Creativity which is awesome. And of course the music by the impressive Joe Renzetti, who, you know, does all, you know, very noirish in this movie, but also a creepy childlike sound. Oh, it's so good. So yes, two discs, child's play. If you were looking for an original copy, you could probably find it on Discogs, but you're going to be paying a couple hundred bucks for it. Uh, however, you can get this one for about around 30 bucks. It's, it's definitely worth it. Uh, it's, Pretty cool, pretty cool artwork, pretty pretty cool. Because I'm a, I'm a sucker for original pressings, but uh, there's just no way I'm going to spend that much money for that. <laughs> yeah, I think if, if if it was like eighty bucks, I, I would probably pay ninety dollars for an original pressing. It's probably as high as I'm willing to go, but it it ain't happening anytime soon. Yeah. So that it's good. Did you did you uh, get this one? No, I'm not on their their list. I've been meaning to just because they did like a lot of cool stuff with Friday the 13th and I wanted those. Uh, They're but, still doing Friday the 13th stuff. So I may have to do that. But also, like I said earlier, like I don't want to take on way too much. Um, so there may be, I could just, you know, learn to pace myself just a little bit. Um, and pace yourself, Mondo's. honey. Pace yeah. yourself. So yeah, yeah Child's we'll, Play, we'll good through work. Yes, yes, for sure. Okay, so that wraps up our bloody bits of news. Let's move on to our bloody question. Bloody question where we ask a fun, hilarious question about the movie we're talking about, which is Critters 2 later on in the show. Our bloody question, the one we came up with today is, which movie character or actor would be a great bounty hunter 
in the Critters universe. So you could insert a movie character or actor or actress in the film franchise Critters to be a bounty hunter. Who would it be? So Preston. So I wish I could come up with like a really fun one, um, but the one that just came the quickest in my mind just because I love this guy is, you know, Christoph Waltz and Django and Shane just because I love Dr. King Schultz, like uh, his gentleman <laughs> demeanor, like it's just so pitch perfect. And I just want to see that so bad of like, how would he uh, react to aliens versus capturing all the people that he does in Django Unchained. Um, <laughs> he would have a just smile like, on his face, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he would just be completely unchained. Um, so, yeah, that that that's the fun one for me, just him playing with his beard or his mustache and beard and then just coming up with all these inventive ways to take down critters. Uh, please, please let this happen. Please let this happen. All right. I, of course, went with Joe Pesci. Uh, <laughs> mix between his character and Lethal Weapon, Leo Getz, and uh, um, Tommy. Tommy from Goodfellas, just because I think, like, his volatility in a quick reaction to Critters would be hilarious, but also have, like, his comedic stylings and Lethal Weapon. First of all, Critters, fuck you in the ass when they come in. I just think it would be so funny to have this short, short little dude uh critters and then i thought about dan DeVito when he could say anyway i started blasting <laughs> i have no idea how to use anything yeah, it's like yeah with joe pesci <laughs> like he's the best whiner like he just like squeals so good and uh yeah. like he can just express like our worst like our anxieties and our worries and with like joe uh with danny devito like he's just good at being like the accidental guy like just oh man, I didn't expect that to happen. It happened. Like I killed them all. Like, it's just like, it's just a series of accidents, like, uh, like a Mr. Magoo type of thing or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think that would be funny. I think it would be really good. Joe Pesci and, uh, Dr. Schultz, the fake dentist. <laughs> That'd be great. All right. So do we want to read, um, the, the comments from, uh, Reddit? Sure, yeah, you can do a few. All right, let's do a few. We got some good ones. Uh, let's see. We are all monsters, uh, said Lieutenant War from Star Trek will fight your rabid tribbles for you. Um, mm -hmm. Horizontal Bob and our friend Alex, um, our friend Alex from uh, Fantastic Fest, uh, both said Ashley J. Williams, Bruce Campbell, of course. Uh, Voorhees89 said Ray Liotta, and I just imagine that's because of Goodfellas. Um, abstract, yeah, abstract Helga, something like that. I'm not going to read the whole thing out because there's like almost <laughs> there, there are no vowels in this name except for the A. But he said Bert Gummer, which I'm also <laughs> on board for. The uh, Michael Gross from Tremors. Yes, please, yeah. Bert Gummer. We have two mother humpers. I repeat, repeat two mother humpers. <sighs> and then our good friend Adrian, uh, the, a part of the Crow Show on Twitch, follow him. Uh, he said Jason Momoa would be incredible. Have Jason Momoa as a bounty hunter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, our good friend L. Gray 
uh, he said Guy Pierce from the Space Prison movie, <laughs> 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 which would be great. And then uh, Tom Nix, our good and powerful, wonderful, loving horror maestro of a friend. Tom Nix said, he has two answers. He said, obviously Sam Elliott uh, from The Big Lebowski because he's so chill and he would be great as a bounty hunter. And then he said he'd change his name. He changes his, he would change his answer from Sam Elliott to Danny Glover so he could constantly say, I'm too old for this crit. <laughs> uh, too good. Aha. I think those are pretty good answers. I still like Burt Gummer the best. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah, just because like that's so easy. Like, why aren't they crossing genres? Like they should be doing that. They really should tremors and critters team up. Oh my goodness. Let's do that. All right. Those are our bloody questions. If you have answers, please email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. So let's move on to the bloody tunes, the bloody tunes. We're going to think of, uh, mention some songs you should listen to that kind of in relation to critters. So Preston, what's your first one? Mine is a new Ozzy Osbourne track from this year called Eat Me, um, which it starts off with like a harmonica sound, so very Western. So if it's, if it's within this realm, because it's like a you know small town, and um and then it gets like more heavy as we go along and one of the lyrics the opening lyrics actually is like i'm on the menu you won't get digestion i even come with dessert um so (laughs) please yes uh like throw throw this on a recut and i'm i would love it awesome ozzy osborne it's it's not his new duo with uh Oh, what's his name from Dallas? Post Malone? No. <laughs> like, yeah, the, that contribution was pretty small. This one <laughs> is like his whole album that came out in February. Awesome. Ozzy. Ozzy. Ozfest. All right. Good deal. Um, I went easy with it this time around. I went with the Critters Anthem, Power of the Night by Terrence Mann, who also plays Ugg in the bounty hunter and critters but he also sings like the rock star johnny steel power of the night it's just full of great 80s power ballad rock music that you want to be listening to in the middle of the night oh it's so good the the enhanced drums electric drums in the background and the guitars it just just oozes long hair rock and roll and i love it right yeah I love that. That Power of the Night and Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, All right, Bloody Tunes. Let's move on to Bloody Recommendations, where we recommend a movie. New, vintage, old, recent. Uh, We just want to tell you about this movie. It can be in relation to Critters. It doesn't have to be. But, Preston, what is your bloody recommendation this week? So my recommendation is one that I've been wanting to watch uh, since it premiered on Shudder on July 30th, and that was Host. It's a 57-minute long horror movie that gets you in and out quick. It is super effective, cuts out all the fat. And so if you like stuff like Paranormal Activity and maybe like the first Unfriended movie, um, it plays within that that sandbox um so it's about like these six friends who hire a medium 
to, so today, like I've done a few of these things I've done. Um, I haven't done anything quite like this. I haven't hired a medium or anything like that to uh, make things fun and do some inner fun activities with my friends, but I've done like some scavenger hunts and things like that. Um, so going through this, it's just like, oh man, I wonder like how other people are doing their jobs out there. I've done uh, mediations um, with like ways to like, calm yourself and breathe and uh uh leave all the stresses in your life uh to the side as you try to you know spend time with your family so like all that stuff uh has been really interesting to me and so watching this and just seeing six friends come together and they feel they feel like legit friends and they have like really funny interactions with each other and they play with each other and so it's crazy that just within less than an hour they're able to accomplish all the things that they do and it feels pretty even um in terms of like i was like i wonder like are they gonna have enough time to like build up some of these characters and make me care for their situation and <clears throat> and then get to the horror part of it and scare you and then still, you know, wrap up in a way that feels like it's, that it earns uh, what happens. Um, and it does. Um, so it just, just really finds like a really unique way of making you understand these six friends. And then it gets to uh, the horror part of it, which is, so they invite this medium and they try to do like some Ouija type of stuff. Um, they're trying to invite a spirit and they, the medium talks about like how she used to create a circle. They would be holding hands, lighting candles, turning their lights off and then inviting a spirit to converse with them and talk to them. And then uh, as you would expect, things go wrong, but it finds like ways to be super creative about it. So it's not just like very routine type of stuff. Um, this is one of those films and it was shot entirely during quarantine. Like it, the director, Rob Savage, like it's, it was a prank video that he put out in like April and they quickly turned this into a movie and released it by ju in July at the end of July, which is insanity to me. And it plays really well. Like the, the script is really good. And, um, like I said, like all the characters are really great and their interactions and they're, they, you can tell like they, they have a history with each other and way that they, that makes each of them tick. Um, so this was just really enjoyable. And like, when it comes to like the horror elements, like they're just as inventive as like the original uh, paranormal activity. Like some things feel like they, they come from that universe because the, the, the demonic entity is in, invisible. And so you like see stuff that maybe remind you of paranormal activity or most recently invisible woman, uh, man. Um, but it's just, it's pretty admirable that they were able to pull this off in this amount of time and within the time, the runtime that they have and, and then still make you scared to go to sleep. Um, so Brian, have you watched this yet? I have not, but I want please, to. Yeah, please do. Like it's, it's a great like Friday night movie with your loved one. And um, it's, it's super solid. There you go. Host. Yeah. Um, I went similar to Critters and has some Critters ties, but the movie Munchies, mm. uh, yeah. th this movie I watched tons of times when I was a kid. You know, it was on TV, it was on VHS. I watched it just a 
ton of times. And this movie is from 1987. It's a comedy horror film, very similar to the Gremlins and Critters. And it was directed by Tina Hirsch, who was actually, who's actually an editor. Uh, she edited uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, one of the sequences, and also Gremlins. And then she's directing this movie that's very mm. similar to Gremlins, which is pretty weird. But she is actually an adjunct professor of editing at uh, USC in California. Um, this movie was produced by Roger Corman, and it stars Harvey Corman and Nadine Vanderveld, who was the big sister in the original Critters movie. So this has t- this has Critters ties, it has Gremlins ties, it's all part of the same thing. And this movie, Munchies, it's kind of like uh, a space archaeologist discovers this fossilized creature called a munchie, and it ends up becoming reanimated and these little creatures have like like little jackets on and like armor but they also can have like shoes on and they drink and they eat snacks they drink beer and they also attack and kill people and it's like just this big silly comedy horror movie that is so nostalgic of the 80s that it's just it's a sense of good time even though it's kind of one of those movies that might be so bad it's good but i remember really loving this movie this was one of the films when i was younger because this was released in 1987 so i was about six and from like six to nine or six to ten i remember watching it quite a bit uh because i just love the film for sure so yeah munchies if you can find this seek it out it is just like a blast from the past type of film uh have you seen this preston I haven't seen it, but I have seen, um, I think Shout Factory put out like maybe a double feature with it. Right, um, maybe with Ghoulies or something like that and Munchies or something else. I don't know. Pro- probably. I've always meant to just because it just look, spoke to my goofy sensibilities. Like I just wanted to, I love the Critter movies. And so I, yeah, this is, this is, that would be one for me. So I may have to check that one out. Yeah, check that out. The poster of the movie is great. It has all those yeah. 80s, early 90s texts and colors. And then it's like of this little creature that looks kind of like a dinosaur that uh, that yeah. is looking up a girl's skirt that's blowing up. And he has like a big mohawk. He has like some rock outfit on. He has sneakers on. He's got a cigarette and a Budweiser. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And this little creature might be, you know, like less than a foot tall. So uh, it's pretty funny. Pretty funny, pretty funny. So yes, and also in this movie, Robert Picardo is in it. Um, you know, from the Wonder Years, Inner Space, Star Trek, Voyager, Stargate, and the Explorers, as well as Wendy Shaw, uh, who's in movies like The Burbs, Batteries Not Included, and Inner Space as well. So just goodness all around. Inner Space goes well with critters and gremlins for sure but let's move on to our main event of the podcast my bloody podcast critters 2 from 1988 oh my goodness we've talked about critters before on the show scream factory released an amazing box set of all four films and uh, it's just, it's great. Critters 2, the main course is what it's called, directed by Mick Garris, uh, who, you know, we love. He, Mick Garris did not 
uh, direct the original film, but he directed this sequel. And you know, of course, he went on to uh, work on The Fly 2, Sleepwalkers, Michael Jackson's Ghosts, uh, Batteries Not Included, a bunch of other things. But uh, Mick Garris directed- A lot of Stephen King stuff. Yes, a lot of Stephen King stuff. This was written by Mick Garris himself and David uh, Tui, who- Wrote. Chronicles of Narnia, or not Chronicles of Narnia, Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, Chronicles of Riddick and Terminal Velocity, Waterworld, The Arrival, not the one, recent one, but The Arrival Ugh. of Charlie Sheen. Yeah, V, uh, also Timescape and Warlock. So this movie came out April 29th, 1988. It was an almost summer movie, runs about 85 minutes. It didn't really make its money back whatsoever. But it did bring back a few people from the original film, such as Scott Grimes, who played Bradley Brown, Terrence Mann, who played Ugg, Don Keith Opper as the uh, Charlie McFadden, the kind of dolt, but, you know, amazing guy. And then Barry Corbin as Sheriff Harve. (laughs) It's brought back quite a few people and Lynn Shea as Sal. Uh, So this movie coming out in 1988. I know we've both watched it recently. In a couple of sentences, Preston, does it still hold up? One word. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes, it does. And I would even say that it even is better than when I first watched it. (laughs) You know, it just gets better with age, like a fine wine or whiskey. And I firmly believe that. So the first thing I want to bring up uh in critters too you know i guess we should kind of you know go into a little bit of a plot point here so after the events of the first critters movie where this you know small rural town um is affected by critters and it's basically this family kind of a home invasion story Mm -hmm. uh kind of really attacks his family and they kind of kill the critters uh at the very end of the film and they barely survive and uh, yeah, there's life on other planets type of thing. And at the very end of the movie, we see that new critter eggs are about to be hatched. So set aside that, cut forward a few years later, we're in the same town. The family's not there, but the whole town thinks that this family is batshit crazy. They don't believe them. And Bradley Brown, the young kid who saved the day in the first movie, comes back to town. And what happens? Critters hatch again and everybody's on the run and getting killed and whatnot. So that's kind of Critters 2 in a nutshell. But I want to bring up how much do you think this horror movie is a credit to sci-fi? Like this movie really brings up a ton of like very complex ideas into sci-fi alien life and space especially in the first like 10 minutes of the movie what do you think yeah it's um it's fascinating to think about that there could be somebody out there that's trying to make sure like populations don't get too crazy and they're trying to overtake worlds and things like that just like keep keep wars from happening galactic wars from happening um so it's it's crazy that like a movie that's like a popcorn movie that's fun and has all is super goofy they they have like subtitles for like the creature the critters one of them says bitchin and stuff like that every now and then like it's 
it's like gremlins 2 in that way like it's just like so a lot of really fascinating like sexual type of stuff in it that's very much like mick garris like if you ever seen sleepwalkers like the guy takes some big risks and um and so he takes some risks with this one and they're but they're funny like the whole time I was just like, this really is like the perfect Brian movie because of like the, the, the porn stuff, the blood stuff, uh, like the, the gun that just grows like a penis at one point when they're about to like, dude, this is, you wrote this movie. I don't know. Like you went back in time and wrote this. Um, <laughs> um, so um, yeah, there there's, it's, it's crazy when like a movie that's like goofy and, fun like this but same thing like with like the anchorman movies like some people may just dismiss those because they look like they're really goofy movies but then actually underneath there are some really fascinating uh topics there and so uh yeah there there's it's pretty powerful that a movie can do have like even if they're super subtle and maybe they don't explore it to like grand detail but they lay it out there enough for you to be like huh well, like, like the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie does not take place on Earth. And right. it's basically showing this intergalactic council, very similar to Star Wars, where there's dozens of different alien life forms and all practical effects. They look amazing. And they're all trying to, like, talk. And, like, there's, like, wars on different planets or trying to come across these critters and kill them because they're just, like, they're assholes. They, like, eat up everything and destroy and that's such a fascinating realm to visit and explore. And they do it only for a few minutes before they land back. And uh, I can't remember. It's not Grover's Bend or is it Grover's Bend? I can't remember. Uh, Grover's Bend, yeah. Yeah, Grover's Bend. And I just think that's like very, very smart and witty. And I think Mick Garris was onto something there because for such like kind of like a cheap film, like a low budget movie, like the amount of, like backstory they just hint at is unreal and it is reminiscent of star wars like how many characters are in it in that first few scenes or first a few minutes and i just i love that about it i'm like oh i can't wait for them to explore it which they never do in really any of the other movies but even in the first critters you kind of see a hologram very similar to star wars of somebody saying to the bounty hunters you got to go here and get critters because it's crazy uh but uh, in Critters 2, like, they, there's scenes full of that. And I just thought that was really cool. And I think that's a pretty big thing to sci-fi at the time mm-hmm. and now. So uh, let, let's talk about, uh, I mean, we kind of gave general thoughts on the film. And so I want to go into this, this uh, nudity thing. <laughs> because... So the bounty hunters and critters, they're kind of faceless aliens who can shape shift into anybody they see yeah, uh, to make them human or alien or whatever to kind of blend in. Uh, and so <laughs> I can imagine writing the script and like, how are we going to get her? Oh, some teenager's going to steal a playboy. It's going to fall off the truck and it's going to happen. So that's, that's exactly what happens. So this faceless human bounty hunter sees a playboy and turns into this playboy playmate centerfold. Um, Unfortunately, uh, (laughs) this beautiful lady um, 
passed away uh, very shortly after this movie, um, mm-hmm. un- unfortunately, uh, in a car accident, which is very sad. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's cr- so when this happens and to give a little point of how silly the movie is, when she changes as she sees this Playboy centerfold in the magazine itself in Playboy, there's like, if you open up, fold out the Playboy centerfold, there is a staple <laughs> in the fold out. Well, there's a big staple in her stomach in real life too, that she has to yeah. take out. And it's just like, Oh, that's like a genius little detail. Yeah. It has, but, it has, it has some fun with like ridiculous things. So, right. Yeah. And they, they show her, they show full on boobs in this movie. And I couldn't remember if it was PG 13 or R, but it had to be R, right? It says, it, PG, was, it says PG-13 online yeah, or on you know, IMDb. It, yeah, and I, and I always remember that. And I was like, dude, they show full-on titties and booty in this movie. <laughs> How did it get away with it? Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe the same people that were uh, working for the MPA when they were issuing out tickets for Titanic and European vacation or something right it's really weird but uh yeah there is that aspect of it in here as well and it's just funny to see kind of like a like a bounty hunter with a giant gun taking out people as his playboy centerfold it's it's really funny so i think that but there's a ton of scene highlights here and they're all funny and ridiculous what are some of yours a lot of mine kind of surround the the death scenes, but it's like once uh, the big one for me that may, makes me laugh every time is when uh, the the climactic moment or like the big moment of like all the critters balling up together and then they roll over a dude and like instead of just like squashing them, like they you see like just real quickly that they're like like they're showing their teeth about to bite and then they roll over him and there's nothing left but his bones. Yeah. Um, but there's like all these like really small moments with like the critters that are fun. Like when they're chewing up that restaurant and uh, they're doing all kinds of weird stuff. Like one of them falls into the fry grease and comes um, out with no hair. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, like, one's just, like, sizzling on the the burger burner. And uh, outside, like, one of them's, like, zip lining on the the electrical wiring that's above um, above the town. Um, so, yeah, there's just, like, really small moments that I just kind of found myself really enjoying. But uh, if I had to pick, like, anything, it's, like, pretty much anything with uh barry corbin like he is the mvp of this and he replaces harv yeah (laughs) so he he replaces the actor from the first movie um but man what a great choice because like he really is like this clean eastwood type that is just like you know he he experienced everything to like the central family and like he's just like living on the the outskirts like he's just like completely outside living on his own and then once all this stuff's going down he gets back in it but he's just like this real frustrated Clint Eastwood type um that has like some of the best jokes um like one of the the ones that makes just just oh man it's just like complete joy is when the whole town is having like their congregation, their meeting and talking about like, what are we going to get, 
what are we going to do about this? And like trying to blame the kid for like, Hey, he came back to this town and he invited like all these critters along with them. And so he brought trouble back into the town. So it's just creating like all this friction. And then at the end of it, he like shoots his gun. He's like, you guys really need to like chill out. And um, so he says something like, uh, uh, what does he say? Like, uh, quit being a bunch of pussies and work because uh, there's nothing really at stake here other than your lives or something like that. Um, <laughs> it's like you have nothing to lose but but your lives. And so just like every all his line deliveries are just like he knows exactly what kind of movies in while everybody else is like, you know, like the main kids trying to be the straight guy. And he does it really well. Um, Scott Grimes. And so, uh, yeah, there's just like all the da- dynamics are a lot of fun. Uh, what's the guy that's uh, from... I can't think of his name right now. Uh, the guy who plays Charlie. Oh, Don Keith Opper. Yes. Um, he, so he plays like the alcoholic from the first one. Yeah, the town buffoon, up, basically. And so he winds up uh, be, becoming one of the bounty hunters now because he was in that in the spaceship from the first one. Um, so like, there's like a, a whole narrative with him and like the other bounty hunters, like one of the bounty hunters is like faceless, like that becomes that the the centerfold uh, playmate at one point, but then like it just doesn't quite stick, and so is experimenting with some other like forms throughout, and then just like what's it what it ends up being by the end of it is like really sweet, um, so yeah there's a lot of things that happen in this movie that are pretty unexpected and there's things going on which each of the people that feel pretty genuine i would say and it's a lot of fun it is a lot of fun uh i love and there's just like a lot of like really funny moments that mix with the horror such as you know i guess since it takes place on easter there's a huge easter bunny kill um and i guess since they killed the easter bunny pretty like brutally they have to make this the guy who dresses up in the easter bunny suit for the kids like an asshole so like he's like the sheriff's deputy yeah he's like a sheriff's deputy he just like he hates kids he does not want to do this bunny suit he's complaining and cursing and then like few critters just jump into his balls and just take him out and he has to he jumps through the church window it's like it's great but then there's like some really funny lines, you know, throughout the movie that just are really silly. So like when Brad um, sees like a girl from his past and he goes like, does your dad still run the newspaper? And she goes, yeah, I'm a reporter here. And he goes, really? So kind of like a Jimmy Olsen with breasts. <laughs> and she yeah. gives him like a horrible look. I was like, oh man, what a, uh, what a line. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of like you hear crickets or like that joke didn't land. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that was But the funny. movie knows it. Yeah, the movie knows it. And then even in the in the uh the burger shop which I think is called Hungry Heifer is the uh name of the burger place that we're talking about which take there a lot of the movie takes place inside there. It's called the Hungry Heifer and they like completely created their own commercials and jingles for this where it's called where they sing it like hungry heifer you won't get a bum steer <laughs> it just like kind of plays throughout the movie kind of like the halloween Movies. three yeah uh kind of like halloween three silver shamrock uh which they might have you know borrowed from that or paid homage to that 
Uh, you think I, if we ever did like a pop-up shop for this, like people would know what the hell it is? Hungry heifer. Oh my God, Preston, it would be, <laughs> it would be such a small niche because I guarantee you, if you say like, Hey, where do you see the hungry heifer at? One out of 30 might know it. If that, yeah. <laughs> but that would be awesome though. Have the little critters around. But yeah, because like they kind of went the Gremlins 2 route where one of them had like a mohawk, one of them had a bald head, one of them was not, was hairless now. It was just kind of funny. And it's great that the Kyoto brothers, the Kyoto brothers who did Killer Clowns from Outer Space did all the uh, visual effects and practical effects and puppets for Critters 2, which is pretty cool. So this, if this was our last episode that we ever did, it would be full circle since our first episode was a Killer Clowns of Outer Space and we talked extensively about the Kyoto Brothers. Yes. But yes. we're not. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Yes, we are. But yeah, they did all of that, um, which is super cool too. Um, <laughs> so... Oh, before before we get too far, like I wanted to mention uh, that the guy plays the manager of hungry heifer like his name is eddie Deason. yes he so he's like this voice of my childhood because he his voice is very nasally and he like he's one of those types that can just continually play kids up until like his 60s or however old he is now so he like voiced a kid like the know-it-all kid in Polar Express, but he also was like a voice in the the dinosaur We're Back movie. And so that's what I remember him mostly from. So it was a bit of a surprise when I revisited this and I was like, oh man, I completely forgot. Oh, and that's what he looks like. I had no idea. So that's uh, for any 90s, late 80s kids out there, like uh, that it's a it's a trip down memory lane for that. Right. And his character, you know, he's the hungry heifer manager and he's just like the stereotypical nerd dude who's like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, has like the, the saliva glasses. voice and yeah. Yeah, glasses that he's constantly, you know, pulling up his face and just they like Preston said nasally voice. It's just really funny. <laughs> Kill Kreitz when he turns into it, a bounty hunter. <laughs> and it was really, yeah, it was really funny when the, the faceless uh cry or the faceless uh bounty hunter like takes his shape and i was like oh because they all got to be nerd looking guys except ug who looks like tim curry with like in an 80s music video it really is uh, terrence mann was basically the budget tim curry <laughs> they look so similar <laughs> that's funny you mentioned that because it's true terrence mann so amazing uh so you know this movie, so first off, before we get into what anybody else said about it, is there any political or social commentary in this movie, do you think? Um, why well, you got to throw that one my way? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really think about it so deeply, but I know there's like stuff about, I mean, it's pretty simple with uh, pretty common ground for horror movies that deal with like people that deal with they're scared of uncertainty or thing or things that uh that they're that they fear they just want to completely annihilate um so there's like some stuff there with like older and younger generations and how they with each other they operate um 
but uh i don't know like i just kind of just enjoy this movie on a on a surface level but i don't know if there was something that because you posed this question if you did some more digging that you found some more things to discuss i know not really uh i i didn't with this one but i think there's like what you said like the generational gap of new versus old way of doing things and you know, maybe don't judge a book by its cover or do, you know. Yeah, because they, they don't they don't trust the kid because of where he comes from. Uh, right. Because uh, they no, nobody believes him from what happened in the first movie. And so, yeah, there, there's th- there's just basic themes there um, about just, uh, yeah, what you said. Don't uh, never judge a book by its cover, but like uh, don't. Um, well, it's pretty informative for everything that's going on in the social media world, how like we may hang people up out to dry before we truly understand their side of the story. And so, um, yeah, there, there's a little bit there, but we may be digging into it a little deeply. No, yeah, I, I mean, there, there might be, but I think, yeah, I think there's a little bit here and there, um, if you want to like really talk about it. Uh, the body count in this movie is six people. So not too too many, not not too much. Um, and Critters Two is the only horror film under the Playboy Enterprises title, <laughs> if you can believe mm. that, which is a uh, pretty pretty cool. And the two bounty hunters' names are Ugg and Lee. So ugly little um, uh-huh. a little thing there. Also, um, this movie made Roger Ebert's most hated list, and I'm just really sad about that because i mean so he said he gave the film one out of four stars saying it lacks all of the style and sense of fun of the original and has no reason for existence and sure okay let's unpack that there i mean technically at the very end of critters they open it up for definitely a sequel so i think they're and even when we talked about all the other aliens and planets in it i think that I think there is a reason for it to exist. Um, does it lack all style and sense of fun of the original Critters? I would say the opposite. I think it has way more style and more fun than the original Critters because the original Critters kind of took itself a little more seriously. And this just like went almost like Texas Chainsaw Massacre to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 went a completely exactly. different direction. So what do you think about that? No, I'm right there with you. Like, uh, there's a lot of movies that I feel like the common one that we always say is like alien aliens too. Like they're, they're just tonally, uh, even though they're part of the same universe, they're tonally different. And I feel like a lot of the moments that, um, yeah, there's a lot of things. I kind of enjoy the second one, second critters more just because it's, it's more fun to me. Like I enjoy the laughs and the jokes and the first one, um, yeah, there's some really cool stylistic stuff that they do, like especially with the explosion of the house <clears throat> at the end. But there's some really great creative stuff that they do in this one too. I'm sure there's like a few moments that uh, you can feel like the the budget may got in the way, but it doesn't. It plays with your expectations a little bit. It like subverts them a bit. Like when it gets to the final moment where they think that the entire town's you know, like you know ganging up together to to wipe them out and blow them up in like a factory type of thing. Uh, no, they bust out with the big ball. And so that, that whole thing was really fun and creative to me. So yeah, uh, just all throughout, I think there's, like I've said, with some of these like creative kills and 
um, in some of these like little one-off moments, they there's there was some thought put into them, and so I appreciated that. So I, yeah, I don't I don't agree that it's like a movie that deserves to go on a hated list, but uh, what, what do I really know? Yeah, what, what what do we know? Yeah, uh, I, I I agree with you. Yeah, this this is it's a good movie. Um, yeah, I think that rounds it up. I would highly recommend this. You know, this movie was on DVD for a while, and it just you couldn't find it anywhere digitally or anywhere else. But luckily, Scream Factory did a box set of the Blu-rays mm-hmm. um, of all four movies. This included in it. However, unfortunately. And sadly, there has not been a collector's edition of this with just like crazy amounts of new extras or anything like that yet. But hopefully at some point soon, right? Yeah, we need that Leo featurette. Yeah, get Leo, man. I bet Leo wants to talk about this. Come on. For Critters 3 in New York. (laughs) They go to the city and then they go to space. (sighs) They went the leprechaun route. So, uh, yeah, Critters 2, that is that wraps up our 91st episode of my bloody podcast. Uh, I just love doing this podcast with you, Critters 2, the main course, see it. Uh, yeah, where can they find you, Preston? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Blu-ray Dad, um, where I am posting a lot of stuff. Uh, been a little slow maybe posting something every five days or so, but a little act- active on the on the story section. But if you are looking for some other recommendations or looking for fun and inventive ways to build up your physical media library, which is sad because I know, Brian, you've been sharing some articles with me uh, because I work all day and I just don't have time to do the research. And you'll send me like, Disney is no longer putting out physical media and then uh, whatever else. And so it's just going to end up being collector's editions eventually. Um, so it's sad that we're reaching this part of, of life. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm a huge advocate and I will be there championing them as long as uh, places like Criterion and Shout Factory, Scream Factory, Aero Video are putting out all these uh great releases i i will be there showing the goods so yes mostly find me there but uh writing wise features editor of freshfiction.tv and then i write for the ditton ricker chronicle so you can find all my stuff in the movie entertainment section on dittonrc.com word i like it uh it's the good stuff there folks they also give away blu-rays which is awesome yeah cold busy uh sharing all kinds of stuff mostly from universal so yeah if you want to uh what's the name of the movie that the king of staten Staten Island. island yeah if you want one of those you can email him yeah or call preston at (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, fig- I i found out that my number was on the contact for instagram so i took that off in, <laughs> in my like you could hit the contact button and my my phone number was on there i i don't i thought like there was like a privacy thing like you just put it in there in case it's like uh, you, you forget your username or something like but for some reason like my email for a gmail account that i don't use very much and my phone number were on there, so good God. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty You funny. could have. It could have. 
Uh, and I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at Boomstick Comics, High Def Digest, Screen Rant, Instagram, and YouTube. All good stuff. We love you. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.